Welcome back to a summer edition, spring edition. It was snowing yesterday. It snowed yesterday, dude. <laughs> <laughs> spring edition yeah. of the 104 podcast. Uh, this is a podcast about the Edmonton Oilers in a healthy and productive manner. My name is Herman Vijegas. I'm your co-host. On my right here is the only man whose bracket is not busted in the playoffs. It's Elliot Tanti. <laughs> That's a dig because we were just talking about before this. About how anyone whose bracket isn't nice. busted, busted is stupid. <laughs> I was just thinking, I'm like, if you in the first round you picked all those teams to win, I, I don't I would have well, I, I doubt there was anyone, Like no one who knew hockey would have done that. Like you could just randomly like select teams like a hundred times and you might get that. But yeah. Right, right, right. It was a gr- I, I really like the first round. We're gonna talk about our first round uh, observations a little bit later on. So this episode obviously there's no games. Sad. Uh, the, there's nothing news, big newsworthy things to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about some stuff in the news, but um, we're going to just do a review of what happened in the year. Uh, we're going to talk about the playoffs in general, of what we, what our thoughts were, um, and then we're just going to get through some of the small topics. Uh, that's what we're going to do in December. Just kind of review the year. We're going to go through the players, not today, but we're going to go through some of the players later on. We're going to have our big debate about uh, Peter Shirelli. Probably when the GM gets hired, that's probably when we'll have that. Um, and then, you know, like draft things going to come up, free agency, maybe some trades. That's the way the summer is going to go every two weeks, or not every two weeks, when really is when we can record them. Um, We're aiming for every two weeks. Yeah, we're going to try our best for that. Um, but yeah, that's the way the 104 is going to work for uh, the spring slash summer. And as you know, if you live in Edmonton or in Alberta, it snowed yesterday, so <laughs> could snow tomorrow. Could snow tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, do you want to go right into the news? Let's do it. All right, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm stepping over your line. Unbelievable. I'm, this is, this, Unbelievable. I'm so what a power move right off. there. <laughs> Go ahead. Bakersfield is in the playoffs. Yes. In the, the second only round. only team in the playoffs that we can cheer for. Yeah, that we can. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. I was at an event Tuesday night, and... Uh, some guys there actually had the Bakersfield game on their phone at the bar, which I thought was hilarious. Wow. Um, and so I got to watch a little bit of it. And then I've been following a lot on playoffs and, and started following this year on Twitter. So I got a good idea of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Really exciting stuff. I like it. I love these. T- I love this team, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very happy with where they're at. Like, they're, they're whatever, like, was it 16-game winning streak that they yeah, had? Yeah, they've had an outstanding year. It's pretty cool. And I am very happy that our AHL team is thriving doing well in the playoffs. I really hope they can win a Calder Cup this year. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, certainly in the cards, and I think they're, they went 4 nothing the first series, or they're 4-1 or something 4-1, like yeah, yeah, yeah. so like really, do- they, what, I, what it was described to me is they are clearly the best, the better team on the ice every night. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. hey, that's really awesome. And, moving into our second item, mm-hmm. Bouchard mm-hmm. has been having a hell of a time since he went down there. Yeah. Um, in fact, I was. A lot of people were really surprised that he even got into games once he got moved uh, to the HL after after his stint in my, the major juniors. Major juniors, and not only is in the lineup, but actually thriving. A couple really sick blasts from the point. Ooh, ooh, he had some amazing goals. I was telling Elliot like 
Uh, I have a friend who follows Baker Shield pretty religiously and just kind of throws clips on my feed, which is fantastic. Um, shout out to you, Kate. Um, she posted this clip of Evan Bouchard. I think it was the last of yesterday's game where he shot this like up front from the point, and I swear to God, it hit like the bottle. <laughs> it hit like top corner on the bottle, and the bottle just flew out. It was one of the prettiest like slappers that I've seen, and uh, I really got hyped. <laughs> Yeah. Really got hyped. <laughs> well, what's been missing? What you know? What, what I feel has been missing for a long time in the Oilers' power play. We'll talk about this a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Is a solid point shot. I yes. mean, there are there are very few guys. That Benning is really the only one yeah. who can kind of consistently Clef get it through a group. Yeah, Clef Clef yeah. too. Yeah, for sure. Nurse uh, every once in a while, but really, you know, that type of a shot uh, on the back end is what I felt the team has been missing for a while. And yeah. to have someone that young and that talented be able to play against men, get a puck through. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, also need to mention that Evan Bouchard's stint in the in the OHL also landed him. He was one of the best players uh, in that year, last year, ever since he moved to uh, the Major Juniors back to the OHL. He won the OHL Defenseman of the Year. Uh, he did. So it's, again, it, that's, Bouchard has got it. He's, his, uh, his stuff is rising. I can't wait for the debate next September of whether or not he's going to make the team or not. <laughs> Remember when Nicholson's like, we got to put everybody in the AHL and blah, 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 and got to overwrite them, is what he said. So this will be an interesting conversation. It'll be an interesting sure. conversation. Depending on who, who what happens in the offseason in regards to defensemen, it'll be a very interesting conversation with Evan Bouchard, for sure. All right, um, you have been on the GM watch. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> Supposedly, we're into what is now the second round. Day 45. Day 45. GM Watch. Of the GM Watch. <laughs> Seriously, I've never played. I've got Herman down right in front of the uh, Rogers place right now. Herman, you've been camped out there for 45 days. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. Um, yes, I. Uh, <laughs> in front of uh, Daryl Kate's house and the Bob Nicholson's house, I see some movement. Um. It could there could be watching TV. I don't know that that looks like Sean Burke. No, I think that's just his son. Okay, um, so second round of interviews. The last thing I heard from from Ryan Rashad, uh, who's also he's Mr. GM Watch right now. Um, from what I've heard, he's in he's picked out three or four people, two of which has their names have been floated out since the start. One was Mark Hunter, who is currently the GM of the uh, of the Marlies, um, Toronto Marlies, the Color Cup winning Toronto Marlies. Um, Kelly McCrimmon, who's also the, the GM for the uh, Vegas AHL team. Um, as you know, Vegas is out of the playoffs. Uh, so that one is, again, and Toronto's also out of the playoffs. So these things are kind of ramping up. Uh, and another one that a uh, name that Rashad uh, just floated out there was Sean Burke. Um, I know Sean Burke was assistant GM, if I remember, uh, for a couple of years in Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, that's another one that just kind of just flown out there. I don't know where that came from, but uh, I, to me, it looks like it's either Hunter or McCrimmon. So that's going to be my prediction, bold prediction out of this. All right. Well, I have no idea. I have no insight whatsoever. <laughs> so I'm just going to go with whatever you're saying. Um, whoever it Doug is. Doug It's going to be Doug Waits. <laughs> whoever it is. I'm really glad that the decision has been made that it's not Keith Gretzky. As it appears, that's a decision that's been made. I mean, again, we never know. We can show up tomorrow and all of a sudden that's the uh, announcement that's going to be made. 
Do you think, you know, we, we kind of had this debate whether there was going to be an announcement before the playoffs and then after the playoffs or during the playoffs. Do you think the early round exits of both Toronto and Las Vegas have pushed up that announcement, or do you still think he waits until the end of the season? I don't think he waits until the end of the season. I, um, I heard also other things that Nicholson said he wants to do it in May. He wants to hire this person in May. Um, his assumptions, probably either one of those teams, Toronto, Vegas, was going to be out of the playoffs and that he would be able to interview them properly uh, and bet them properly. Yeah, so, he's done gotten both of his wishes. Exactly. So my assumption is this is going to happen very early, like very quickly here in May because not only that, he needs to hire a coach. Um, I don't think um, Hitchcock, Hitchcock is going to be in the running, quote-unquote. I don't think he's going to come back. <clears throat> and I think the play is, and here is the here's a speculation that I have, <clears throat> and I don't know if this is going to happen because I think this person is going to be protected, but Sheldon Keefe, who's the head coach of the Toronto Marlies, um, is kind of like up in the running in the coaching ranks. If Mark Hunter were to be hired as a GM, I think he might bring in Sheldon Keefe as the coach. Interesting. And that would be interesting as well. The only reason I think that might not happen is because right now, I don't know if you ever wandered into Toronto, uh, <laughs> into Toronto Twitter lately. Yeah, it's, there's been uh, there's been some frustrations. Yes, <laughs> about my Babcock. So I'm very curious of what's going to happen with that next year. I wonder if Kyle Dubas is probably not going to make that happen. But you can't fire Mike Babcock. No, I don't think he's going to be fired. But I, I could see like Sheldon keep being uh, like uh, like assistant coach, for example. Interesting. That, that would okay. That might be the other thing where it's just like oh, the the mentor training kind of. Yeah, thing. totally. Um, I could see that happening, and I know a lot of people like Sheldon Keith, but um, I don't know. Crazier things have happened before, so that one thing we can just say for certain: whoever the coach is will be determined by whoever the GM is. <laughs> you would hope so, Captain Obvious. You would hope so. <laughs> never know. <laughs> Let's talk about our first round prediction. Let's just talk oh, about the first man. round. What yeah, do you think the of the first, first round? round. I, and I put this, posted this on Twitter. And this was a dream first round for me, except for one thing, that the Oilers were not in the playoffs. Um, if the Oilers would have made the playoffs and won a round, this would have been a dream first round. It would have been all on favorites, I think. Yeah. Like, seriously, I having Calgary lose, yep. having um, Toronto lose, yep. Um, having uh, Blue Jackets sweep. Like, oh, yeah, you love that. Oh, love it. Amazing. All those things were amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, as we kind of set off the hop here, if you were the kind of guy that was going to pick both um, Calgary and Tampa Bay to lose, um, you're not someone I really want to know. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, really, like, it just goes to show you how close the league is and how tight the league is. I know yeah, we've been totally. saying this for a long time, but there is no sport in the first round where something like the playoffs could be as dynamic as they are. Yeah, I agree. The other good thing that happened, Joe Thornton and his San Jose Sharks. Moving on. Back 3-1, to one, came back oh. and, and won did that. Did you watch that game? I did. I well, oh, okay. okay. So Can I watched I? the first two periods okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then went home because that was the night we were watching Bakersfield on the phone because I was at an right. event. Got home. And I was like, I was with my buddy, and we're both San Jose Sharks fans this year. And he was like, I was like, oh, it looks like our Sharks are done. It was 2 nothing. Sure enough, I look at my phone on the cab on the way home. It's 3 nothing. Like, this is done, right? Get home, start getting ready for bed. Look at my phone. It's 4-4 heading into overtime. What the hell happened? <laughs> uh, so then, obviously, I turned on. I got all the highlights and then watched uh, San Jose score, which was outstanding. And 
Yeah, I mean, it just it's so emblematic of, the, I think, the NHL right now. We're just like, 3-1 is not the deficit that it used to be because getting up 3-1 is not, like, the indicator of, of how um, strong your team is. Like no, totally, to totally. Um, what did you think? Did you watch the, the hit, the, what happened with Pavelski? I saw it once. Yeah. <clears throat> What's your thoughts? Right? There's, a, there's kind of a controversy around this being like, was this a major penalty? Was this not a major penalty? Kind of thing. What's what's your thought? I mean, if it's not five, it's four. Yeah, that's what I think too. So, the, I guess the the difference is then you end up in a situation where that third goal, I think, on the power play, then the then the the power play would end because it was within two minute mark. Then, at yeah. That point. I mean, I mean, if it was just a normal power play or a four minute power play, yeah, it would just be two goals and that's it. Just yeah, two goals or three. Depend. I don't know when the second one came in. Well, a major, like a minor. If it was a double minor, yeah, then it would just be two goals. Yeah, right. But yeah, it would be four two. I mean three two. <laughs> three two, and then you got a bunch of momentum there. So maybe you're not getting the fourth goal to go up ahead. It's a different game for sure. But like, honestly, a penalty is a penalty. Four or five. You can't. You can't. You can't not. You got a three-goal lead. It's a five-minute penalty for mm-hmm. sure. It's a, it's a tough kill, and you're gonna likely give up one, maybe even potentially two. You can't give up four. Like you can't no. you can't point to the referees and be like, "It's your fault. We gave up four. I agree. I'm with you. Like especially was, with a world-class goalie like Flurry. No way. Seriously, I. The only reason people are talking about it is because Vegas gave up four goals. Yeah. Like. And also, like, what kind of team are you, man? <laughs> Game seven. Totally. Giving up four goals in a on a power play like that's. In the span of what the five minutes, that's ridiculous. It's hard to, um, it's hard to, you know, say that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, and you know what? It's a great story. It made the league super interesting. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yeah, I. You, can I tell you my <clears throat> contrarian hot take? Sure. I I think anytime a player draws blood from the head from somebody, I don't care if it's an accident or if it's something that happens like w- randomly. I think you get a five minute. I think you get a five minute major. Even like an accidental high stick. Yeah, hundred percent. You have to be aware of your stick, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And, and if mean, you draw, is there blood, a big difference between four and five in your mind? Well, four is a double minor, yeah. and you get two goals. Unless we have four minute majors, which you don't have. Um, that to me, I'm like, if you, <clears throat> if if the NHL really wants to take concussions very seriously, I feel like if you draw blood. But is that a deterrent, though? I don't think it's a deterrent. So then are you really making any impact on, like, head injuries then? No, but I think it's more of, like, uh, optics for me. Yeah, I guess <laughs> oh, yeah, if you want to make the optics, I, I mean, I guess that, that's fair. I mean, I just don't think, like, it really, I don't think it really changes much. It mm-hmm. just punishes the team more for um, an errant mistake. Um, and sometimes, like, a really brutal, like, awful intentional mistake. Absolutely. Yeah. But the idea, I think the difference between a double minor at four and a major at five is intent, right? And um, so I kind of like that there's a, you differentiate between, you know, intent. I mean, it's still serious. It's still a four-minute penalty. It's one more minute at the end of the day. And a five, and you know, denotes some sort of intent. And, like, Pavelski was, is gone for, like, he's, he's, he's still gone, yeah. right? I think he's going to be gone for the rest of the playoffs. He might come back if the, if the Sharks make the final or something like that. Um, that's the thing, right? I'm, like, just, like, you, you hit somebody in the head concussion protocol says you're out of the game yeah like that's the situation like it, that's the problem it's just like you are I, I i personally don't care if it's accidental or not i'm just like it should be a five minute i mean game. i just i don't like the optics of doing something for optics fair enough <laughs> that is a 
<laughs> such, that's such the most communications answer I've heard. <laughs> that's if you want to make a meaningful difference in headshot prevention, right? Does that actually make a difference? No. So then it's just for optics. So it's like you're just doing yeah, this for optics. Fair you don't really care. Fair enough. I'm just way. like you, I do get where you're coming from though. Because Pavelski's like like the only reason no, he got a five serious, major yeah. was like because he, he hit his head and it was bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I'm with so, you on that. I don't know. But that was that was my – it became a huge uh, issue on online. I've heard the problem. A couple podcasts. I'm just like – it just – it blew up. And I'm just like the only reason why we're talking about it is because Vegas gave up four goals. That really, exactly. That's really what it exactly. is. Exactly. That's exactly it. <laughs> Anyways, any other, any other uh, first-round thoughts? No, I mean, go San Jose, go Boston. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I'm with you too. I'm, I'm, I know I'm you like CBJ, CBJ yeah. I watched the game yesterday where they, they won in overtime. Yeah. Um, that team is great. I love that team. Um, the other team that really surprised me was Colorado. Colorado was fantastic against Calgary. The top line was amazing. The Rantanen, Landeskog, yeah. uh, McKinnon line. Oof. That is a powerful first line, and um, it's cool seeing like a like a rookie like Kale McCarr come come in and just score on his first game in the playoffs. That's yeah, amazing. totally, totally. Um, and I was, uh, you know, just, I think it's gonna be a good series between Colorado and San Jose. San Jose did seem to really wear them down in game one. Mm-hmm. Um, they were behind, but they just I watched it and it did seem like yeah, yeah. They there was a little bit more experience there, and you could see San Jose sort of playing playing a very heavy hockey game. They yeah, wore down um, Colorado by the end. But I think it's going to be a f- that series is not going to be done in four or five. I don't think. No, 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 no. I totally agree with you. Um, let's do some second round picks since we're here um, talking about playoffs. Well, let's start off with that series. <laughs> I, I'm very confidently taking San Jose, and I think six, six. Yeah, I'm. I mean, again, I think eh, maybe that's a bit of a, a stretch, but um, they're up one nothing. They play today. I could see them. San Jose just looks so good, and it looks like they I do. think they're going to be. Get, they got their rhythm back. I think they're going to be one of those teams that gets better and better as the playoffs go on. And I mean, they're doing it for Joe. You can tell every step oh, of the yeah. way they're doing it for Joe. And now they're doing it for for Joel and Joel now, like yeah. Pavelski as well. Yeah. Um, the only issue I have with San Jose is Martin Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that's my only? They're going to live and die by him, for sure. And he's a. Uh, Regular season, he's a, usually a pretty decent goalie, but this year he sucked. <laughs> yeah, he's had a rough year. He's eight ninety eight in the season. Oh yes, oh, I've seen you mention it on Twitter several times. It's pretty, it's pretty, pretty great. Um, that's the only issue I have with San Jose, but I think I'm with you. I, I'm, I, I'm going San Jose in six sounds like a safe bet, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll stick with that. Uh, St. Louis, Dallas, tough one. Um, don't know a lot about either team really they've sort of quietly they've both had kind of quiet seasons St. Louis obviously had this like major comeback and everyone but it was kind of lost in the shuffle with all the other news in the NHL this year Um, 1-1 series is tied I mean I really like Dallas yeah Dallas is sort of my dark horse right now Ben Bishop's playing great I think that they're probably going and and then coming out and beating Nash Nashville in the way that they did I think it was really uh, surprising. So to see the, you know, they've obviously got a strong team. I think that this is a Dallas and six series for me. I'm going to go, <clears throat> I really like St. Louis, man. Yeah. Right, yeah. St. Louis, like, 
was it's a coin flip. It's a coin it flip. really is. St. Louis is probably one of the best. Was one of the best teams ever since they were like, in like since they fired their coach, they've been one of the best teams in the NHL. And the only thing I'm just like, it's a rookie playing in the playoffs. Like Jordan Bennington is a goalie. Could be good. Could be bad. <clears throat> He's playing great right now. Uh, I'm going to go with St. Louis. I'm going right. to go with St. Louis in six as well. All right. Sounds good. Awesome. Now, we know where you're going to go with this, and we know where I'm going to go with this. <laughs> so how, many Blue Jackets picking, Boston? how many games are you picking the Blue Jackets to win it? Uh, I'm going to go Blue Jackets in seven. I think it's going to be a great series. It'll I think it's great. also going to go seven, but I'll take Boston in that one. And finally, our, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, I like Boston a lot. <laughs> also, like I think I said to some, there's nothing I love more than watching the Boston Bruins. Knock out Canadian teams that I hate. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Carolina and New York Islanders. They played today mm. in about an hour and a half mm-hmm. here. Carolina's already up one nothing. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Oh, I'm definitely taking Carolina, and I don't think this is Me close. Me too. Me too. That was my thought. Look at this, buddy. We're agreeing. <laughs> we're, we're getting in, we're getting into the we're in the same headspace. How many games? Four. Wow, you're thinking of sweep. All right. I was saying five. <laughs> All right. I was like, I thought five was like, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah, the yeah. hot take, but four is the main. Yes. No, I'm with you. I, the Islanders, I think, blew out all their mojo in uh, beating Pittsburgh. Um, Carolina, I don't Carolina, know. The difference in the two series that they just came out of, like Carolina, a seven game hard fought series against one of the best teams, defending Stanley Cup champions, (laughs) versus the Islanders who just beat Pittsburgh in four, and a Pittsburgh team that I don't think was really ready for the playoffs. No. um, And was surprised by the New York Islanders. I think a lot of how you do in the next series is dependent on what happens in the one previous, and I think that 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 really matters. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I love Carolina's mojo. Um, I don't know if I trust Peter Mrazek after the series, although... Um, Leonard has been playing really well, really great. Um, I don't know. I I, I just feel like uh, Carolina is like a team of destiny to me. <laughs> yeah, they've had such an interesting year. Yeah, I'd love to see Boston Carolina. Boston for the, Carolina would be fantastic. Oh, CBJ Carolina would be fine too. Also be good too. Oh my God, CBJ Carolina would be like Don Sherry's head would explode. Uh, <laughs> that would be also good. Um, anyways. Let's take a break, and then we're going to come back, and then we're going to get into our big topic of the year. Uh, just some reviews, some thoughts about the Oilers season. Let's go back talking about the Edmonton Oilers. Alrighty. So normally we do one big topic where we tackle an issue in sports, and I think we'll obviously get back to that <laughs> come next fall. Yes. But for the remainder of the – well – the rest of the spring and summer, we're going to talk about our Edmonton Oilers, and we're mm-hmm. going to do player reviews, we're going to talk about mm-hmm. systems, obviously there'll be big things to talk about, including a new GM and a new coach, but this is the first episode that we have had, really, since the end of the season. We've right. a little bit of time to decompress now, Right. about two or three weeks, uh, things have been kind of quiet on the Oilers' end. Yep, as they should be. We've had, we're not coming at it from an emotional place, at least not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Let's talk about... Let's do a year in review. We've got a couple topics that we want to run down. We're going to talk about systems and bigger stuff. We're not going to get into individual players yet, except Mm -hmm. for in our overall strengths and weakness and opportunities Mm -hmm. uh, for the year. Um, But review the year. What would be your your uh, top-level abstract? You know, I was thinking about this in the sense that the last year, when I came into the season, I was... 
optimistically worried. I was like, oh, this might be a really good team. Maybe we're not going to be like top of the West. Um, we'll be a bubble team. We'll get into the playoffs. We'll sneak in. Like, excuse me, like old school Oilers. Um, this year, when I first came into it, because of the shit show that happened the year before, yeah, I was, I was in a point of being like, this is a do or die season. You were pretty down on the team. I was down on the team. I was really down, and I was really like, I don't think they did enough in the off season to make any big changes, and, the, and I think they were handcuffed to make any big changes. But also, like looking at the year behind, like we had some really good stretches of of. Uh, of time in the year where we looked like a really solid team. We, and a lot of people were saying, like, this Oilers team, they're not the best, but they could make the playoffs, yeah. right? And I think a lot of people were saying, like, Connor and Leon are going to drag this team to the playoffs. Um, unfortunately, that didn't happen. And the interesting thing about this is that the thing that I come back to a lot is that Connor, Leon, RNH, Cassian, Chason, all had career years, and we still didn't make the playoffs. And that should be such a big, big tell as to what is the issues with the Oilers. The drop-off. You know, the drop-off, yeah. you know what I mean? I think that, yeah, I think if you sum it up, and if the sentence was those five guys had career years and we still didn't make the playoffs, that, that's like, that's the, that's the up top mm-hmm. line sort of mm-hmm. thing for me. I mean, I, I came at this season from a little bit of a different place. I think I was humbled this season previous when we started this podcast. I think right. we thought after the playoff run and we really felt like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a real awesome season. And yeah. and then we obviously had the big step back. Um, but, and I keep going back to this because I think it's important. This gets lost in context sometimes. At the beginning of the year, if you told me the Oilers were playing meaningful games in March... I would have been like, okay, I'm into that. Yeah. And that's essentially what we got this year. Now, that being said, horrendous Western Conference. Yes. That's what I was like. We did get meaningful <laughs> games in March, but... <laughs> there, they wouldn't have been meaningful if we were playing in the Eastern Conference. No. So I, I will give you that. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a se- inconsistent season. Consistently inconsistent yes. in the sense that, you know, you, I you go back to the first 10 games of the season. The others come out of the gate. They start in Europe. They lose four straight. Yep. Then wheels are already off. They go into the fifth game against Winnipeg, fall down 4 nothing. Yep. Come back in the third period and win that game 5-4. Right. And continue on a four-game winning streak. And then they're all of a sudden the best team. And yep. then they kind of went in this, like, two-game slide, three-game mm-hmm. winning streak. Three-game slide, two-game winning streak. They did hit a pretty low point, um, obviously, where that uh, resulted in McClellan being fired, and then Shirelli sort of a couple weeks after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was sort of when things really hit the slide. But one of the th- what, what if I was going to review this year, what I would say was the most impactful is that. We didn't have Sekra and we didn't have Clefbaum for a major part of this year. You're absolutely and right. And that really, the Oilers are not a good enough team to be successful without their best two defensemen. And I think that's the issue with the Oilers, that everybody needs to be good in that team for that team to be good. And unfortunately, that doesn't happen, like in a playoff, in a, not in a play, in a team. Like, everyone, someone's going to have a down year, someone's going to be injured. It happens every single team. And unfortunately, the Oilers don't have the like the cushion to say they, they can lose a cut bomb or a Russell or whatever it is like imagine like 
O'Connor was injured for wait, what a couple games and he was suspended for yeah. two and like imagine losing him for like a month. Like that would be devastating to No, absolutely. absolutely I mean, but I think it would be devastating for anyone to lose Connor McDavid and I also think that you know, I would be hard-pressed and you know the NHL better than I do in terms of player makeups. Mm-hmm. But what's a team that would could have continue to have success losing their first their number 1 and number 2 defenseman? Number 1 and number 2? Like starting I would with say like four. Nashville would yeah. be fine. Nashville. Um I would think Tampa Bay would be fine. I think Teams like and Pittsburgh, look at, kind of. But like, yeah, look but. at look at Toronto, right? Like they have like all their fire. Like they did great this season. They, they didn't really have like a legitimate number one defenseman. No, but they team. had a solid defensive core, and then one of the best okay. defensive coaches in the hockey. Yeah, I mean, he's, you're, you're pretty hard to find. <laughs> it's it's pretty hard to find a team that's going to have success with the, missing their top two defensemen. Yeah, but the thing is that like it's not that the Oilers don't have success; is that they just bottom out. They like they they're oh, yeah. not they're not yeah, like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not like they're like they're like just struggling. No, to they're losing seven one exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the issue that I have. Like obviously teams are going to have a tough time losing their top players. Yeah, but the thing is with the Oilers when they lose their top players, they have nobody. That's the thing. It's just like nobody. They, no, I know. It's just they they completely. Them out. No, I, I and they don't have guys that can play up to their positions too. I mean, you see, like you keep hoping for Darnell Nurse to emerge as like a top two defenseman, but I think you know he's still just a three four. And anytime he gets pushed up into that role, he doesn't have success. It's no. really tough for him. It's tough. You know, Cle- R- Russell. Although I don't think the expectation should be Russell that should be more than one, like two, a five yeah. four. <laughs> um, so pushing him into like a three two three role is not the same thing. Yes, I mean, I. So do you think then? If you want to go over to overall thoughts, this year exposed the Oilers for what they are in the sense that... I think so. I think the last year, the year before, I think a lot of uh, the ownerships and uh, the administration, the GM, the coach and everybody was like, this is a blip. This is what I think their thought was. Like, this is a blip. The year before, we had amazing... We had we were an amazing team. This year, it's we sucked. It's a blip. Right, we're gonna draft Evan Bouchard. They did, um, gonna get good, and this this year we'll be all right. That's what I thought their thought was. Yeah, and they think they would thought they were all right. I mean, I'll, I'll go back to an interview I saw first game of the season. Um, it wasn't on sports; it was on CBC because it was a tougher interviewer on Shirelli, and he said, "Do you think you have enough scoring?" And Peter Shirelli said, "Like, kind of like, of course, yeah, of course we have enough scoring." Yeah, like, you know, you, you traded to Jordan Eberle this year. Do you think you really have enough scoring? And he said, "Yes." We didn't have enough scoring. No, <laughs> we really did not. Um, so yeah, and that's the thing. It's like it did I think, expose those types of things. You're right. I think it was a big wake up call this year for the yeah. Oilers, and I think it really was like, and that's the one of the things that I kind of take back in this this season was that I mean it sucks that it took two years to figure this out, but like it was a huge wake up call to say there's something messed up with the the foundation, the of back the end, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what really is something that I hope they learn. And I hope whoever the new GM and the new coach is, they take in and be like, we need to fix the foundation. Our top is fine. Our, our kitchen looks amazing, but our foundation is terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we failed inspection. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's the problem, Are you in right? home buyer mode over there yeah, or something? Yeah, I, I kind of am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so transitioning, we've got some review and overall thoughts. Mm-hmm. Overall... Who is the player you with the most strengths this year? You know what? Like, it's easy to give to Connor, and Connor deserves it. But uh, I'm going to give it to Leon this year. Yeah, Leon really deserves it. Uh, I think he really stepped up to the plate. He is like everyone expects Connor to be Connor, and he is the. I 
absolutely agree he's the best player in the NHL. Um, but Leon really like showed to a lot of people that he is not only worth that contract, he is worth more than that contract. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> gross underpayment, I call it. At the time. At the time, it was a gross underpayment. Anyways, uh, <laughs> um, he is scored 50 goals this year. He he really was a driver on a lot of the lines. Yeah. He played amazing with Connor. Yeah. Like that anytime that they were on an overtime, you were just expecting them to score. Yeah. And you saw them on a two on one, you're like, this is in. Bit. This yeah. is in. Leon, I think, was the MVP of this year. I think that's a good choice. I gotta go with Connor McDavid, most points of the team. Um you know, also missed a chunk of time with injury and with uh, suspension. Suspension. Um, <laughs> bad boy Connor. Bad boy Connor. I also think you know, kind of interesting. So he tears a ligament or something in the last game of the season in a nothing game, driving to the net like it's hilarious. Think how much he and I think um, you, this year you saw a transition for Connor. Not you know his play has been consistently great, amazing, unbelievable, best in the league. Um, but in terms of leadership and being honest and open and taking on a really challenging situation, mm-hmm. I thought he came through it. I mean, obviously you would have preferred the team to win and end yeah. up in the playoffs. Um, but for a young leader, I thought he came through it really well. And so just on that alone, um, he's my player with the most strengths this year. Absolutely. I mean, like, oh, you can't go wrong. You can't go you wrong. You can't go wrong picking another glass. I feel like for the next couple of years, every time we do this year-end show, like, strengths, <laughs> if it's, it's going to be Connor. If it, it, that's Connor, a bad, Leon, bad Connor, year. Connor, Leon, <laughs> Leon, Connor. Yeah. yeah I'm gonna, if you have an honorable mention, who do you have? Uh, I really like Zach Cassian's game this mm-hmm. year, and I really like it because when you think about where he was at the beginning, asking for a trade, to where he finished with the most goals of his career and uh, or the most points, I'm not sure, um, and you know, playing on that top line, being a real physical force. We still got him left for one more year at yeah. 1.5. Like that contract's starting to look pretty good too. Yeah, I guess so. That's true. It could be a really good trade bait right now. Uh, um, my honorable mention is uh, Nuge. Like he, Nuge, yeah. He's uh, again had a career year this year, and um, he was outstanding just covering in that second line, sometimes in that third line. Uh, we mentioned about Hitchcock when he first saw Nuge was like, yeah, this player is amazing. Like I don't know yep. why he's not one of the best players in the night. He is consistently an amazing player, consistently steady Eddie, and he doesn't get enough credit. He really doesn't. He, Those are the three best have to have the best center group in the NHL. One of the best. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree. And I and, and Nuge is a big part of that. And I. That's a good honorable mention. It's funny that as well to Nuge a couple years ago would have been on the trade block. He's been good always. Yeah. He's, I don't think it deserves to be on the trade block. But now he's come to a point where he's like, you can't trade him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, that's that's my honorable mention. Who's your most opportunities? So, well, as we said, there's quite the drop off on the back end of the team. So there's lots of options. I'm going to go with opportunities in the sense that I think it's the player that actually does straight up have the most opportunities. He, he could be a much better player than he is. Um, had a very up and down year. Maybe not the worst Oiler, but someone with the most opportunities I think is is Matt Benning. Yeah. I think Benning has, was in a position to really put himself in a good position on the team. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the entire team struggled the year previous, but this year uh, you really saw inconsistencies in his game. Now, he can score. He can move, mm-hmm. but defensively he really struggles. There's lots of issues on the back end with him, and I. But I think he can take that next step, and that's why I say he had the most opportunities this year. Because overall, I think it was probably, and he'd probably say this too, just disappointing year altogether. Right. 
right, right, right. No, I'm with you, Matt Benning. I think, unfortunately, he's still a decent defenseman, and I think he still has something to give. I he had an opportunity to really step up this year, and he didn't. I worry that he's going to end up somewhere else at some point, he and then be. he's going to end up being like Justin Schultz level again. You know, <laughs> that's a solid third line yeah. defenseman. And I think part of it is again when you're missing your top two defensemen, he gets put into roles that he wasn't ready for or he can't play at. Yeah, totally. Uh, he's probably closer to a five six than a three or you know, yeah, three four, and that's where he ended up playing a lot this year. Um, did seem to do a little bit better under Coach Hitch. Yep. Uh, so that was one of those players that was impacted by that. But yeah, I, I think he's almost there. I mean, if you told me, if you t- if Elliot from a year from now comes back and says like Benning had a career year, I would not be surprised. But also, yeah. if someone said Benning had a shit year and we traded him at the deadline, I would also uh, <laughs> believe you too. No, I'm with you on Matt Benning. That's a that's a good call. Um, my opportunity this year, um, I'm going to give it to Milan Lucic. Um, he, in the sense that. Man, his contract sucks. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> and I didn't know this drop off was going to come. Like, I could have. He in his first year, he scored. I don't know. Was like forty points, 50, almost fifty points. Yeah, something like that. Um, I would have been fine with that. Like, you know what about like fifty points from the first three years? I mean, it's not like like we're not getting to Everly sixty point level, but like you're contributing. But like thirty points, man. Like, what? Do, what's going on here? Like, I there's a serious, serious problem with with Milan Lucic, and it's interesting watching young Milan Lucic, like when he was in Boston, uh, just tearing up the place. And you're like, where is that guy? <laughs> like, I I don't yeah. I don't know what happened with him. And he's not like that. He's old. He's not that old. I mean, he's no. thirty one, but like. Freaking Patrick Marlowe's almost forty. Like Daniel Shar's like forty three. Yeah, <laughs> I think that. I think that. Honestly, uh, Milan Lucic is probably transitioning into a different type of player right now and hasn't quite figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And we are waiting to see what that looks like. Um, the struggle that I think I have with Milan Lucic is he continues because of his contract to receive opportunities that I don't think he should. I don't think he deserves. And, yeah. and, and, and it's, it's frustrating to be like talk about it that, in that way because you know he's had a really tough time here and he came here to be a leader and, 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 and you know carry the weight of the team on his shoulders and he totally. really has probably beyond anything else. Um, but you do have to think that you know when is enough is enough here when we're not giving VRV minutes because he's not good enough on defense but yeah yeah exactly and i I worry about him in the sense of the orders now whoever the new gm is i think they're looking to to either trade him or or buy him out like i think he's getting to that point and and it's unfortunate for him like like i said i i never thought his contract was going to be worth it in like three years after he signed it but not this bad you were hoping some for something better in the first three years yeah i think that's what everyone said it's weird um, but anyways, that's that's would be for my overall strength and opportunities for the year. What is your best transaction this year? Like trade, call up, um, something that the GM did that you're like, oh, that was that was all right. I really liked, and this there's probably some recency bias on this, um, 
but I really liked the move to get Sam Gagne. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, he's got a year left on his contract. He played well down the stretch for the Oilers. Yep. He made a, like he was really honest about wanting to be there and be part of the team. Uh, I love those redemption stories. I always do. Um, I think he's going to be quietly a very important player for the Oilers next year. Yep. He's got a deal. He's got what, one year left on like one point five two or something like three that. Three something actually. Okay. <clears throat> three one or something. Three one. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting to see how that goes. But I thought that was, you know, a nice, quiet move by Keith Gretzky. Um, his, his, like, that one move, like, vaulted him into, like, he's got to be the yeah, GM. Yeah, conversation. <laughs> I know. I know. What a ridiculous city we live in. What was your best overall transaction this year? Best transaction. I, I was thinking about this a lot. I, was, I didn't think a lot of it was really good. I think the best transaction was the Colby Cave waiver call. Um, oh, like, yeah. Nice. Like picking up Colby Cave uh, out of a Peter Shirelli move. Look at this. I'm, I'm, praise, I'm praising. You're praising Gretzky and I'm praising Shirelli. This yeah. is interesting. Weird. Uh, <laughs> um, Shirelli picking up Colby Cave was a, a, a really great move in a sense that Colby Cave really just fit in with that team. Really fit in pretty well. Like he's not, he's a nothing cheap move, like thing and he just, he, he went in and just thrived. Um, yep. I have an honorable mention. Yeah. Alex Chason. Yeah, Alex Chason's a good, yeah. good, good move. Yeah. 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 Chason was a good move. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that yeah, it? For like, for, like, for like best? I think that was like the best transactions. That was it. It was just like the Gagne trade, the the Talbot trade was all right. The Talbot was good too. I, there's, there's. You know, I mean, I think Trelly and even Keith Gretzky, like their moves around the edges have always been good. Yeah, Trelly's moves around the edges have always been good. Um, yeah, yeah. The Cave thing, Chase on thing. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> let's hear it. Worst transaction of the year. Oh, and there's so many. <laughs> I give you a top five if you want. <laughs> okay, come on. <laughs> so the worst transaction, and I really had to think about this one too because I'm just like, I'm gonna go with the Koskinen one, the Koskinen, Koskinen sign- signing. contract contract signing because that one is going to hurt us way more <laughs> than all the other ones that we've had. Yeah, there is a, there's there's good potentials for that to be like a worst of a decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, it's gonna hurt us for two more there's years. Good, there's good potential. Three more for, years. There's a good potential that it's the worst of a decade. Um, but I, I think that I think the jury's still out on Koskinen. The jury's still out on Koskinen. It's not like he's a terrible goalie. He's a 906 goalie. He's an average goalie. But we signed him for three years in a like a three mil contract or something like that. Three or four. Three or four. It's a pretty big contract yeah. for somebody who was like it was like ten game or eleven games that we had him. He was he did play great for like that like ten games like a nine thirty in that ten games. Then he dropped he had back. a home game winning streak. Yeah, he had something like that. And then we signed I'm like, I why? And not only that, we signed him. Two days later Peter Trail get fired. Yeah. Like it was such a, it weird, was a bit of a weird, weird situation. Situation. And I think that was but, hurt us. I mean, yeah. I mean I could defend that move. Even the pro scouting conversation about like who's gonna be available at it, Yeah. Maybe you want to lock up one of them. You'd largely made the decision that like Koskinen was a better value than Talbot at that point. Yeah, I mean it's true. Look, I'm saying the jury's still out. You have a potential to be very, 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 very right here. Yeah, you have to be super right. Yeah, for this to happen, right? It's it's a bit like okay, okay. All right, here's here's 
here's my thought experiment. All right. I think he signed a very similar deal to Chris Russell, right? Four years at four yep. per. So Around he's there, at yeah. three years at three five or something. Like that. I think it might actually be a four year deal, or maybe it's a three year deal. <laughs> if you got the same level of performance out of Koskinen in those first two years of his contract that you have out of Russell in his first, in his contract, would you say it's a good deal? No. <laughs> okay, here's the reason why. Because How, Russell's had a pretty good two years. Chris Russell's had okay two years. Um, he's not worth his $4 million. It's $4.5 million. Yeah, it's 4.5 over three years, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 4.5 million. Um, here's the sitch. He needs to be at least a 9-10 goalie in those first year, first year and a half for this contract to be worth it. 4.5 is high for a goalie. Yeah. Yeah. Especially who's like over 30 years old. Yeah. Um, this is the time when he got to get three shutouts, 278 GA, 911 save percentage. was not bad. He, he went down to a 906 at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, not a huge drop off, but some. He also needs I mean, to be again, in the playoffs, man. Missing, he needs like yeah, probably he one of the playoffs, playoffs man. Yeah, I'm just like this. This one is worrying, just worrying, for the most part. So it, it could potentially be a bad transaction. We don't know yet. Yeah. The one that I will say is go the ahead. worst transaction. I'll go all the way back to this time last year. Okay. Everly. <laughs> wow. We, or Strom. That was yeah. When we have our Peter Shirelli debate, and we will have it, absolutely. part of my argument will be that this was actually the worst deal that Peter Shirelli ever made. Um, it is bad. <laughs> it is. It was atrocious, especially now when you look at... Now, there's some recency bias here no, as, well, that, as well. No, that wasn't this year. Everly's trade wasn't this year. Wasn't it this year? No, it was last year. No, because we still had Ryan Strom in the system. No, oh, yes, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Okay, no, never mind. No, 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 no that, I can't. Okay. That, that, that doesn't I can't use that one then. Even though it, that one does shit. Tra- that one does transcend time, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it does transcend time. <laughs> that, is, that, that is an atrocious. It was atrocious. Atrocious deal. <laughs> People were still talking about yeah. it. <laughs> so, Brandon Manning. Yes, that was my other one. Brandon Manning for Kajula. That was pretty now, bad. What bugs me about it is I, I like I'm not as vitriolic and angry as you are about this because look when you think about it, Kajula wasn't that great. He was okay. We are a team of Kajulas. Yeah. But taking Manning's contract on is what really frustrates me. <laughs> yes. So bad. That's what frustrates me about it's the deal. So bad. And it was like you know it was done in panic mode. The Oilers were. Um, you know, I think they'd lost six straight. They, this is when Clefbaum was out. They clearly didn't have the defense that could keep up with it. Right. And that was really frustrating. Um, so they brought in two. They, who was the other guy? Starts with a V. Petrovic. Or Petrovic. Yeah. Uh, there was a V in his name. <laughs> and then Manning at the same time. And right. I don't think that they needed to bring in Manning, all no. things considered. No, 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 no. And they ended up burying him in the minors. In fact, I think he said he was a healthy scratch. He was a healthy the, scratch in the from AHL. The, in the AHL. <laughs> Lovely. So... Yeah. Now, uh, what, you're looking at Cap Friendly right now. He's got one year left or two? He's got one more year at 1.175. So it's not terrible. It's not terrible. It's not like it's... But it's, just the perception of it to bring someone in to like basically fail is yeah. not great. And like Petrovic is done after this year. Like, see, if they was just the Petrovic deal, 
would have been fine with that. Like it yeah. was just it was yeah. like we, we that needed, was a fine deal. We needed a defenseman. We needed a defenseman. Yeah. He was an initial ready defenseman. Like it was a gamble to take. It was done after. And this then year. he brought in Manning too, and I didn't understand that the Manning like, bit. That would mean no. And sense Manning came me. after too. That's the other. Manning thing. did came after. Yeah. So I just. Like I'm not, I wasn't. I'm not mad about like the player for player. I don't think like Kajula was gonna make or break the season. Him being on the team, but I just didn't like the optics of it. I didn't like that it was panic yeah. mode, and they, and they already had sort of dealt with one. So why not try that before yep. taking on a contract like that? No, I'm with you. I'm with you. The Manning trade was really bad. Um, yeah, that's that was my second one. Um, I think my other one would have been Ryan Spooner. Getting Ryan Spooner for Ryan Strom, um, that one was not like it's not terrible. I understood where they're coming from, but also Ryan Spooner was he was not good either. <laughs> Although Spooner did turn into Sam Gagne. Sam Gagne, he did. So that go. was not bad. I mean, that was good. That was a good trade. Um, the remnants of the Mark Messier deal still <laughs> still alive. still alive in still Sam alive. Gagne. Oh, and Sam Gagne because yes, yeah, it's the elderly thing. Um, yeah, I mean those were pretty, and that's I think that that really cost. Like I think the Manning one especially cost uh, Shirelli his job. I think for the most part, I think after that it's like. I mean, yeah, maybe I think the media cost him his job, but we'll get into that on another day. The other one that I can think of is, and I think again, I don't blame them for getting him, uh, getting Tobias Reader. A two mil, yeah, didn't, didn't do anything. So, by reader, I think we both kind of avoided talking about because of the rough road <laughs> he had in the last uh, like, in the last run. I didn't realize he's still an RFA too. Yeah, he's an RFA. He's he's young. He's young, young kid, twenty six years old. Uh, yeah, and he's not going to get signed this year, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I mean that's it. Right, like for terrible transactions, there was a lot more than good ones, unfortunately, and that's what happens in the year. Like, like. You make bad moves. I mean, it's not bad moves. You unlucky moves sometimes, and so it happens. Anyway, was still out on the on, but yeah, the Manning deal was bad. <clears throat> that was okay, bad. so we've got three sort of overarching aspects to the Oilers game that we're going to talk about, and then we'll call it a show. Let's start with special teams and specifically the power play. Right, right. So the power play. Um, who was our first first line on a power play? And uh, it was mostly Connor. Uh, Leon, RNH, it was four forwards, right? Four forwards, and then either Clefbaum or uh, Nurse, depending on who was if Clefbaum was hurt or not. Right. And what were they at? Like, I don't remember what they're what they're shooting at. Like, um, what was their percentage? Do you remember? In terms of their percentage, are you looking yeah. for? Yeah. 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 I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, the, the big we're conversation really about this, this is if you take compare this year <laughs> to last year. Yeah. Last year, part of the reason why the Oilers were as bad as they were was that their special teams were so bad. Yes. This year, they did actually turn it. They they they, they did they did they weren't outstanding, but they turned it around. Yeah. So they were in power plays. The Edmonton Oilers were 13th in the league, 21.2 percent. Um, let me see. Chicago, Minnesota, Washington were beating them at 10 and 12. Uh, Toronto had a 21.8%. So their power play was okay. Um, their power play was decent. It's middle of the pack. It was all right. <laughs> I mean, the thing with the Oilers power play that they're missing, and, you know, again, this is why you're talking about Bouchard being so exciting, is I feel like they're still missing a shot from the point. I think Clefbaum's okay, but not great up right. there. Um, 
And then the other thing that I don't really like about their play, their penalty kill is they don't have that shooter on the opposite side. Like, we no. can only name four because that fifth person sort of rotated through. Yeah, exactly. At some point, sometimes it was Reader for a bit, but not really. No, no, no. Um, sometimes it was Lucic. Lucic kind of took the net front area. Yeah. You sort of have, yeah, there was, and is Cassie in there at the end of the year? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's like the... Like that the, was sort of like the, the puck reward. retrieval part, yeah. right? And um, Puyarvi got some some looks in the power play a couple times. Not enough, though. Not enough. No, not enough at all. Um, looking at their stats, like they're not bad. Like middle of the pack. So Oilers were 16th in the in for the league for 90 for shorthandedness, 96.8, and 13th in the league at 21.2 for the power play. So middle of the pack. Yeah. Like this is nothing terrible. Like we're. I think their special teams were okay. Um, they just didn't. I they didn't get as many, and I think I think they deserve a whole lot more. Do you know what I mean? Uh, let's see opportunities. They were 25th in the league, only 222 power play minutes in the league, and that's 25th. Um, Toronto was dead last at 211, which yeah. is interesting too. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see that too. So I think if they got a, mo- a lot more opportunities. It probably might have been a little bit more successful. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think after the year that was the year previous, mm-hmm. to be at middle of the pack, you have to be happy with this. It's Nintendo decent. Stuff. It's decent. Yeah. And it's funny because now you see, like, I wonder, if, I'm sure teams have caught up to this now, but I've seen other teams do this move as well. Like the drop back to your skilled players, yeah, they can yeah, like yeah. The Vancouver Canucks sort of invented it. Now everyone's kind of doing it. <laughs> but like, it's amazing to see it with Connor because Connor is so fast. Oh yeah, and, so skilled. and he's the best in the league at actually gaining the zone on the power play too, which yeah. is kind of what's you know what makes him well an excellent power play player. Uh, but the Oilers, I mean, done that. You know, when, in the year that they had success, they had really like they had diversity of different looks. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of had Leon at the high slot with the deflection towards the net. You had um, oh, who's the gentleman that had the career year shooting from the the sidewall? Who was like a fourth line player? Oh, uh, uh, wait, talking. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. Can't think of him right now. Let me think. And then you anyway, <laughs> and then you had Connor who could kind of take it down low and you know feed it to Lucic in front of the net for for a playoff goal too. Right. I did feel as though this year uh, there was less diversity in terms of how the Oilers were scoring. Yep. Um, that high slot play, they didn't really. You didn't really see it much until the end of the year. Yeah, no. Um, so I'm interested to see what their new look, you know, what, what, what they're going to be able to pull out of their hat next year, especially with having, you know, an out, the, the shooter that is Leon Drysaddle. Yep. The playmaker that is Connor McDavid, and potentially some really dynamic young winger defensive, defensive options. options. Like I am, I'm curious of what the Oilers are going to do in the off season in the sense of like, how are they going to get a winger? I think that's their biggest priority right now is to get a really high-skilled winger. Um, there's going to be a lot of them on the market, I think. Um, at the same time, like they need to trade away some 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 pieces to do that. Um, I I'm very curious as to how the power play is going to look, and especially with a new coach um, and a new you know assistant coach, and we'll see all that stuff as well. Um, but you know what? Like looking at it right now, just looking at the stats, and I'm just like, it's fine. <laughs> it's like. Yep. It's like it's it could be better, but like it also it's not it's not I don't hate it. <laughs> now there's something that is a little bit worrying. 
What's that? And that's the next thing that we're going to be looking at. <laughs> and that's goal It goes back to your transaction. It goes back to, man, this is, this is the year where it was going to be, uh, you were going to have Koskinen and Talbot battling for the number one job. And whoever won that number one job was going to get the contract. And it, I feel as though Talbot lost it. Koskinen didn't win it. I agree. I totally agree with that that take. I think Talbot was not his his. And the thing is, the thing is with Talbot is that we we have seen his best, right? We yes. have seen his best. We know what his best looks like. Yes. Um, and so that's what we were waiting for us to see his best again. Um, we didn't know anything about Miko Koskinen, and that's the thing. It's like that's what the, this transaction really like. It's it it really scares me. Like if you would have said, you know what, Talbot. You had a crappy year, but we're going to give you like a two mil, one yeah. mil contract to be back up. I would have been fine with that because we know what Talbot is, right? Um, but we don't know anything about Miguel Koskinen. No, and I that's think you're right. that's the thing that really just scares me. And I don't know where the like, but you also comes don't from. want like he did. Sh- so it's tough, right? Because you had this situation where he showed signs of brilliance. He played really well when we had a pretty well uh, tight knit defensive crew. Mm-hmm. Um, he did struggle when the, or the pressure was on. He played a shitload down the stretch. Yeah, too. he sure did. Um, and he got a really good look and got him really got him lots of experience. Um, did hurt his save percentage a little bit because of how much he played towards the end of the year. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Which is now, it, but, which makes no sense to me. So, but whatever. So the idea was like, well, you get tired, you fatigue, you you maybe are less agile, those sorts of things, right? Right. Um, you know, the, the point that was made, and I think it's a really valid one, was when you look at who's available come the offseason, there wasn't a lot in terms of goaltenders. After Bob, phase, there's, yeah. after Bob, there's a pretty serious drop-off. Drop off. Yeah. And is Koskinen better than anyone else or worse than anyone else that's available after Bob? Probably not. And if the going rate at that plate is 4.5, it's 4.5. And, and I think you may be right. I just have a feeling like there's going to be some players that you can get for trades pretty easily like i'm talking people like brian elliott i'm talking people like um jonathan bernier who's gonna probably be shipped out out of florida but are like, those guys better off are we better off with those guys than here's the thing like, and, and, and i'm with you like like those guys are just kind of middling pack of the players pack of the uh, goalies but I just want you to take a look at what Robin Leonard did this year, and I want you to also take a look at about Philip Kubark. Yeah, of course, year. of course. It's like those those goalies, and I think you can say, you might be able to say the same thing about Koskinen. Um, those goalies can come back, and I think signing a long term contract with goalies is such a risky proposition because they are so up and down. But a goalie can kill or break your season. That's the thing. Yeah. It's just like it's yeah. such a weird yeah. position. And to be your in. playoffs too, right? I mean, what are we Absolutely. talking about? What's the one drawback from San Jose? San Jose should be the odds-on favorite. But mm-hmm. Martin Jones is a question. And that's the thing too. With Martin Jones. Martin Jones could be traded. Like if Martin Jones lost that series against Vegas, he could have been traded. He's not a terrible goalie. He just had a terrible season. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's another person that could have been traded to get something. Like so that's why I'm like, yeah, there's no one in the F. There's no one in the free agent market, but. We didn't get Talbot our free agents. We traded for him. Yes. So that's where I'm like, that's where the Costin thing just really just it just. I mean, I think me. you're gambling. You're gambling on no matter on anything. I mean, I think part of we talk about that drop off the uh, the five best players having career years mm-hmm. in the Oilers compared to not not finishing in the playoffs. 
Right. I think part of that drop-off was some really disappointing goaltending from Talbot, particularly, sure. and a little bit of Koskinen, too. And, yeah. I, and, and I think... Uh, Overall, if you look at power play penalty kill goaltending, goaltending was far and away the worst aspect yeah. of that. And I think goaltending definitely broke our season. But I think what we're going to talk about in probably future episodes is what's probably broken more, which I think is the defense. I think the defense really struggled this year. And I think the defense was the major issue yep. in the Oilers this year yep. that really hurt them more so than goaltending. Or their top one. I think that will emerge when we start talking about individual players, and particularly our back end. Absolutely. But again, I'll go back to the point that I've made all year. And it is a good point. We were missing two our top two defensemen for a good part of the year, and our probably our best defenseman for the entire, almost the entire year. Sakura, our best defenseman. Wow, that is. I think Klepon's the best defenseman. I think it's close. I think it's close. (laughs) Uh, But all right, Um, I think that's where we're going to leave it off. Uh, The. We're going to talk more about what the year that was uh, with the Oilers player by player. Hopefully, we'll have some news about a GM when we talk next time. Um, who, who do you... Okay, I'm going to give you a, a multiple choice question. Come in two weeks. First of all, do you think we'll have a new GM? In two weeks? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. You're going to say no? Okay, I'm going to say yes. We'll go from there. All right. Uh, Second question, multiple choice. If for a new GM, regardless of when is the, this person's going to get hired, is it going to be either Mark Hunter, Kelly McCrimmon, or other? Other. Other? You're going to go other? I'm going to go Kelly McCrimmon. That's okay. going to be my. That's going to be my. Choice. That sounds like a heart pick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you the field, by the way. <laughs> Which is, I think, a safe bet for that. Too. Yeah. You never know. With these you never things. know. Anyways, that is for our 104 podcast. Um, hope you had a, uh, a good time listening to us uh, talk about the others. I hope you're enjoying the playoffs as well. Go Stevie J. You're go boss. No, go San Jose, right? Go San Jose, yeah. San Jose. Uh, otherwise, Joe Thornton will die. <laughs> he will die. <laughs> if it was San Jose Columbus Blue Jacket final, that would be yeah, I'd still I'd still pick San Jose. I'd have to. Yeah. Although there would be a rivalry across the table. Right? 100%. <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time on The 104.